coming up on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. So it's not about getting rid of a part of ourselves, but it's actually about transforming a part of ourselves back into presence, back into that oneness, back into that place of peace where we're able to accept the most difficult parts of ourselves. It's just such an integral part of why we do this work. Why would you show up for yourself? Why would you want to feel calmer and more content and more confident? Because you are now in a place of being able to actually practice altruism, to, to see beyond yourself and say, okay, now I can actually really contribute to the world. Hi, I'm Fiona Brennan. I am the author of The Positive Habit and The Self-Love Habit. And you can find me on Instagram at The Positive Habit. And I am the guest today on Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Welcome to Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat with your hosts, David Clancy and Kieran Dunn. This is a podcast about high performance. What we are striving to achieve is to figure out what makes high-performing individuals tick, why they do what they do, and why they are successful. Enjoy a journey of stories, lessons, and learnings. Today we spoke with Fiona Brennan, hypnotherapist and anxiety expert. Fiona is a clinical hypnotherapist, a best-selling author, mindfulness and NLP practitioner. She's a mental health expert on Today FM, a TEDx speaker, ambassador for positivity in the media, and delivers transformational workshops online and in person for the corporate sector. We spoke about her clinical work, what clients expect from her, and what she loves about her work author of The Positive Habit and The Self-Love Habit, we spoke about her world of clinical hypnotherapy and how it differs from staged iterations. Fiona discussed the importance of self-esteem, positivity, stillness, presence, and her work around anxiety. Plus her upcoming presence retreat with previous guest, Dr. Mark Rowe in November. We would highly recommend you check out Fiona's online course, Light Up Your World. She must be very good as her clinic is always rammed. We also asked about the meaning behind that title. What does Light Up mean for her? And please check out her social handle at The Positive Habit. Fiona Brennan, thanks very much. It took us a while to get in the books, but we got there. How are you? I'm great, Kieran. Thanks a million. Delighted to be with you both. So building on that, how come it's taken so long? You're busy. Fiona, busy in a good sense. What's I am David. <laughs> <laughs> David makes me laugh. So I just want to say for the listeners <laughs> that we've just been having a chat before and there's a, a very funny guy. I've only just met him, but um, I so hope yes. you're listening, Mary, my wife, who says I'm not that funny all the time. It's <laughs> <laughs> me and Mary, that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my condolences. Yeah. So I am absolutely, I am very busy in terms of my clinic and also the other work that I do and that I love in terms of whether it's public speaking, writing, creating, I suppose. It's it's a very creative job that I have for myself, if you like, which I think a lot of entrepreneurs do is create their own brand. 
and work. We're just reading a book by a fellow called Tiago Forte, and it talks about building your second brain, um, about when you're getting all this great information out there in the kind of knowledge world that we're in, and how really what it boils down to, though, is how can you get it out there? So how can you express it all? And, and Fiona, we have to give you a pat on the back because you've got your courses, your books, your public speaking, you've got your retreats, you've mentioned the word love there, which is a big word. So how do they all how does it all come together? Because there's a lot of things you have going on there. Yeah, I suppose it sounds like a lot in terms of the different modalities. But in essence, it's all one, if you like. So whether I'm sitting in here, as you can see in my clinic with a with a client, or I'm working on a retreat, or I'm writing um, an article or a book, it's all coming from the same source. And that is really created through stillness. And I believe that our creativity emerges when we have space between our thoughts. So I do a lot of work, if you like, in creating stillness so that I can actually contribute to the level that I do. It's interesting. We had Cal Newport on. He spoke about the hyperactive hive mind and people who feel like they're on the go and they're jumping from task to task. And actually his big focus now is slow productivity and sort of focusing on doing one thing really well and getting deep into it. And I think that stillness piece and what we talk about a lot is presence being present in the moment when you're on this podcast, for example, rather than jumping between maybe three different strands, four different things that you have on for the rest of the day. How do you bring yourself back to the moment if you jump off, if your mind just wanders that little bit? Well, it's it's a it's really a training, Kieran, and it's it's one I would say that is a lifelong training in terms of the mind will jump, you know, and the acceptance that the mind is going to jump is transformative in itself because once you're at peace with the idea that your mind is jumping you're not fighting with it and we want to come from a place of peace we don't want to be fighting with our own minds and we don't want to be fighting with reality and you know so many people are doing both so there's an internal conflict if you like in in the sense of how they feel about themselves or the thoughts the feelings that they are having and then also there is a conflict with reality not being as they had maybe desired or planned for it to be. So our ability to to really practice uh, stillness, transcending into acceptance is where we, we start to actually fall in love with life as opposed to at war with it because we're now dancing with what is we're accepting what is and that's where you know you you have so much peace you have so much uh, ability to to create and I really truly believe that ideas come when we have that stillness that's when the most inspiring ideas emerge like booking Kelly's hotel (laughs) (laughs) sorry that's that's that was before our chat so I was just gonna say that was really powerful stuff (laughs) There go. I was having a moment. You were having a moment, and then I brought it all back down. I was. Fiona, you just mentioned a couple of minutes ago the chair, and you pointed to it for all of you watching the video. What what what's what's the day to day like there? What 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 happens in the chair, Fiona? Usually, clients will come through my door, and the first time they come through the door, there's a lot of expectation. There can be a lot of pressure in terms of what they want 
from me, if you like, that they may have been waiting quite a long time for this appointment. There is going to be usually a, a high level of emotion and, as I say, expectation and a desire that somehow that when they walk through that door, I'm going to take a part of them out of themselves and that they'll be rid of that part that they don't like. OK, so let's say it's anxiety and that that is actually what I, I specialize in. It's something I understand personally and professionally. So when someone is feeling anxious, it is so challenging. It's so difficult physically and mentally and emotionally. It's very debilitating. So it's understandable that when they come through that door, the door right here they they would like that to be removed almost like as it you know as an ingrown toenail and if you could just get rid of that then I'm going to be okay and so a lot of my work is actually helping them to realize that I'm not going to do that that even if I could it's not something I would desire to do because this part of them that they find so difficult this anxious part is actually very important in terms of learning about themselves and rather than escape from it rather than get rid of it we want to do the opposite we want to embrace it we want to we want to bring it into the room I welcome that part like I feel genuinely honored that I get to to see the parts of people that they're hiding from the world I get to see the vulnerable parts of people that they're so ashamed of you know whether it's um, a family ashamed of their family ashamed of their past ashamed of um, not being good enough that they show me you know and, and that's all about the relationship that I develop with them to help a sense of trust is that they gently and slowly will emerge this part that they have been most likely suppressing um, or escaping, distracting themselves from, whether it's through, you know, any of the mind-numbing activities that we, we all engage in from time to time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, David's just there on his phone. Um, will you pay attention? Writing <laughs> <laughs> <Right> notes. <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, so the point is that this part is really a like the shadow part, if you like, that we want to understand and we want to love. We want to actually really learn more from them. They have a lot of wisdom uh, to help us in the world and they have been there for a long time. So it's not about getting rid of a part of ourselves, but it's actually about transforming a part of ourselves back into presence, back into that oneness, back into that place of peace where we're able to accept and love the most difficult parts of ourselves looking to before people get into the door so we're talking in the yeah. clinic people have come through the door but before they get there you may face a bit of resistance and i'm just talking from experience of ga dressing rooms this sort of community of maybe there's machuism going on and there's that focus on if anyone brought up presence or stillness or love as words it would almost be batted away instantly because it's not sort of seen as the maybe the traditional way or the traditional conversation that you should be having. What do you say to people who might find it difficult to reach out to you, even though they know they may get a lot from hypnotherapy and working with you one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah, it's a really good point. And it is true that, that that will happen. I would say it happened much more in my earlier career more yeah. because maybe there was a confusion there. And especially around hypnotherapy, this idea that it is this magic wand, they're going to come in for one session and their anxiety is going to be gone. Um, you know, so that is definitely something I would have had to really, you know, hold my ground on quite a lot. And it, it takes a, quite a lot of confidence and assertiveness mm. because, you know, 
and I have no, I would have had no problem saying to a client, you know, I don't know if I can help you because your, your mind is so directed in one way. And until we can have more openness and flexibility, I, I don't think I, I'm in a position to help you. That's a hard thing to say, you know, um, but it's an important thing to say because I've no interest in wasting people's time or, or money, uh, to be quite frank. And, um, you know, it's, it's a case of, of really helping the client to, to cultivate patience because I'm much more interested in getting a sustainable let's say, and I don't even like the word result because it, it, it looks as if it's a goal, if you like, but sustainable peace or sustainable uh, sense of self-knowledge, self-love, then a quick result. Like any training, I mean, you will know physical training, and I'm sure you've heard that analogy before, physical training, mental training, emotional agility, they're all interconnected and require consistency and require showing up for ourselves. Building into that, the process piece, which we, you know, we love that, like the score takes care of itself is a world we, we hear in our world. Mm. Tell us a little bit about light up your world. We firstly, we love the title of it. It sounds really compelling and sounds really attractive. What's the essence around that course? Because I'm sure a lot of our listeners would really like to understand more about it. Thanks, David. Yeah, it is. It is both of those things. It is compelling and very attractive. And it- <laughs> <laughs> PR agent. <here. laughs> no, but it really is. I put a lot of my heart and soul into this. And what I did was try to emulate what I do in my clinic on a one-to-one basis. So I bring the uh, client, if you like, the online client through um, a lot of information, if you like, in terms of understanding something on an intellectual level, but also practical steps, and then also that deeper psychological aspect. So really taking the components of what I do, as I say, one-to-one, and really trying to help build a community as well online so that there's a place where people can share. And that the power of the group can never be underestimated in terms of the healing power how when we work in groups you know even just reading someone else's comment like oh I feel like that too or yeah that's me in the morning like that can be so liberating for people that's something you don't get one-to-one um so there is that added benefit of you like it's a hypnotherapy program as well the audios are are very very important so when I'm working again, it's it's complete emulation in terms of if I'm working with a client one-to-one you know I'm I'm quite um I suppose strict for want of a better word that they do listen to the audios as they work with me because that the audios are working on a subconscious level and we need that to to reinforce that work that we're doing on a conscious level and the the light up your world course is the same principle so essentially that the 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 main ethos behind it is that when you light up your world you become the light that helps others to see so when we do this work you are actually really benefiting everyone around you, your children, your partners, um, your parents, everyone in your life, you know, even the person that serves you coffee, you're, you're bringing a bit of, of light to them. And really, that's, it's just such an integral part of, of why we do this work. Why would you show up for yourself? Why would you want to feel calmer and more content and more confident? Because you are now in a place of being able to actually practice altruism to to see beyond yourself and say okay now I can actually really contribute to the world 
So lighting up your world is, is really, yes, it's your world, but it, it's how it extends out beyond you. That's brilliant. Compelling and attractive. Definitely with them. Eh? <laughs> I like those words. Can I use them? <laughs> yeah, we'll see them up. Looking into, you mentioned hypnotherapy and your background, clinical hypnotherapy versus stage hypnotherapy. And, and sometimes it's often blended and we think straight away of the, the clock on stage in Vegas. And we think that's what people will be doing. What are the distinctions and could you be able to describe what people should expect from clinical hypnotherapy? Yeah, it's so different, to be honest with you, uh, Kieran. It's it's kind of, I would say that it's a bit of a battle in terms of having stage hypnosis out there for mm. um, clinical hypnotherapists because it it really doesn't equate to what it is in a therapeutic sense. Um, what you see there is 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 you know, and I suppose there is a place for it in terms of there's lot you know, like I love to have a laugh, it's entertaining, etc. However you know, I would say that we're better off not having that because it, it's so it skews people's view of, of the power of, of what it truly is. And all it is in its most simple terms is an honest placebo. Okay. So what we do is we quieten the conscious mind. So the thoughts, like even now, as we're talking, our conscious minds will be somehow coming in and, and interrupting, maybe saying, you know, oh, I wonder what time, you know, when is Fiona going to stop? To, whatever it might be, right? <laughs> You're a mind reader as well. <laughs> um, yeah, so so the conscious mind will drift, as we say, it's that, that monkey mind that will drift very, very easily. Hypnotherapy gives you a very focused awareness. Okay, so it's the opposite of being asleep. You have something powerful in the sense that your consciousness is now like a torch and you shine it in the direction of which you choose. So you will have seen it in sports in terms of visualization, you know, where people practice, whether it's skiing or any kind of sport, and they, they visualize the skill time and time again. And when it comes to it, they are now, they're, they're already conditioned and programmed for that to, to happen. So that's what hypnotherapy is there's just so many misconceptions around what it what it is it's nothing sort of macabre or 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 off the wall it's it's really just a, a simple awareness where our level of consciousness has shifted into something that is very very useful it's very malleable because it also that the work of dr andrew huberman is is, is really um, pertinent here because he has illustrated just how powerful it is for neuroplasticity mm. that when we have that relaxed state but we're also alert it's it's very beneficial to us in terms of how how we we use that energy when you're working with people and um people might obviously get that very much on the online it probably brings up a lot of feelings and you know touched on the vulnerability side and what people are willing to share with you i'm curious about the work you do for people maybe that aren't proud or comfortable with a response they might have made to something that happened in the past and maybe that's still lingering and it's causing anxiety or distress what is it maybe about your your process or your philosophy that could help with people try to navigate through that and move forward and not let it linger Okay, so do you mean like, David, are you talking about regrets, like to have a regret of how they might have behaved in some way? Is that what you're, yeah, you're saying? Yeah, like regret or maybe, yeah, I could have shame could have approached that in a different way, maybe now having thought about it a little bit more. You know, those sort of examples, they'd come into our world quite a lot in the okay. sports medicine yeah. world. Definitely. Yeah, 
Okay, good. Yeah. Um, and absolutely, I can, you know, see that also in, in my work in terms I, of. People. I should have maybe done that and then maybe I wouldn't have got injured. As exactly. Yeah. Being hard on themselves over, over yeah, something. My fault, right? You, we, we hear that a lot. Okay. So, so what we're talking about there is people blaming themselves, right? And yeah. being hard on themselves, being very judgmental towards themselves. So, what I would say that the most powerful thing to, to practice is self-compassion, because that will then allow that person to move on in, in a sense of realizing that, that we all make mistakes. That's how we learn. That's how we grow, that it's normal. Um, to, to, to regret something is, is, again, an opportunity to learn, right? So if we, if we don't actually spend the time uh, examining it you know the unexamined life is not worth living for example if we don't take that moment and say well what was it there and and you know the truth is maybe you could have done something better right so you're being accountable for that but there's a difference between being accountable for your behavior and then wallowing in self-pity and being hard on yourself because you're more likely then to actually repeat that mistake the next time because you're now coming from a place of deficit you're coming from a place of self-blame even self-loathing um and nothing you know when you think about that how is anything going to really transform when you're in a, such a negative state of mind so learning from it being compassionate to yourself self-compassion is a skill we have to learn it's not it, do, we're, it doesn't come organically we're not taught it at school in, in fact you know if anything we're almost taught the opposite that it there's a shame there of of you know being kind to ourselves, we're taught to be kind to others. But we know that to truly be authentically kind to others, we have to be kind to ourselves. Um, so those are pointers, they're opportunities again to learn. I think there's so much value in that for even young parents listening that are trying to, you know, work, you know, build a business as it were, or do what they can in that world, but also be, be, a, be a husband, be a wife, be a partner, you know, all that sort of thing. When you're trying to do your best with it all, sometimes even just saying, I, I've, I'm not always going to get it right all the time, not to beat yourself up. I think there's an awful lot of. Oh, 100%. You, you're not going to get it right. Uh, most. And what, what does that even mean? You know, question, what does getting it right mean? It's like you're once you're doing your best and our best changes, our best is contextual, isn't it? You know, your best today might be better than tomorrow because maybe you slept better, maybe you, um, you know, uh, didn't have as many challenges that came your way. So, so whatever it is, it's, it's putting things in, into context and being kind to ourselves for that and saying, yeah, you know what, I am tired today. You know, I've, I, I've been lying on my lounger all day and I'm exhausted. <laughs> <laughs> I spun that last week. Yeah. <laughs> Good I'm on just, you, Kieran. I'm just thinking about this building into it. Sometimes the challenge with probably showing self-compassion and maybe getting over and learning from a regret or a mistake is that we ruminate because we don't think we're going to get the opportunity to, to maybe carry out the task again or whatever it is that has caused us. So we just think into professional sport or anything like that. Players might feel that if they lost the final and they have done something wrong, that they will ruminate on that thought and they'll struggle to learn the lessons because they won't feel like the opportunity is going to come again. Is there anything to be said or what advice could you give for someone to look forward with maybe optimism? There will be another chance to correct this wrong or to right the error that you've made. I suppose it's likely what I said in terms of it's more likely to happen again, right? In terms of the opportunity. 
when you have a positive mindset. So your energy is going to be very different. So the opportunities are more likely to come your way because of, of how you carry yourself. So maybe you meet a manager and you're saying, yeah, we lost that, but you know what? I know that like we, we have it in us to get this the next time. I know that. And therefore that attitude in itself is going to uplift people, inspire people. And it's almost like the cart before the horse, you know, you, 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 you focus on creating the feeling and then um, the results sort of unfold positivity is a word that is there's no doubt it's radiating across even the screen here and your book i'd love to love to understand a little bit you know we're looking self-love habit the positive habit Mm -hmm. really important i think for people even to understand a little bit more as to like positivity is a superpower that if we leaned into a little bit more the world would be a better place right we'd be a bit more inclined to give and more altruistic like you touched on earlier tell us about the process and and what you're trying to do with these books Sure. Yeah. Well, the first book uh, is The Positive Habit. And um, that was a huge success, really. I think it's still very, very high up in the backlist, you know, in the charts of the backlist um, books. So essentially, the message that I, I, I really portray in that is that the most positive thing we can do is actually rather ironically be comfortable with our negative emotions. So it's it's a far cry from toxic positivity where it's all about, yes, you know, isn't this great and denying, but it's about actually, like I said at the start, you know, embracing those parts that maybe are anxious, fearful, angry, etc. And how positive it is to actually transform that energy into something that helps other people. Um, so essentially, you know, again, if you link positivity to optimism, there is a lot of research now to show that optimists live longer, right? Yeah. So having an optimistic mindset is something that we can learn. And that's the, the roots of positive psychology um, where you, you know, Martin Seligman would have looked at, let's say, learned helplessness. And then he looked at learned optimism mm. and that it is within our power to actually train ourselves again to be more optimistic and this will help us on, on a physical level in terms of our whole system you know the, the the stress response is 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 less active we're less likely to get diseases we're more likely to see opportunities um so there's a huge there's just a wealth of of benefits from creating a positive mindset because again we don't want to be at war with reality So, you know, if, for example, you wake up and you want it to be sunny today, it's summer, it's Ireland, but it's raining. That's the reality, right? We can fight it or we can create a positive mindset that says, okay, you know, let me let me find a way to It's still a day in my life. It's a precious day of my life. I want this to be as positive, loving and kind for myself and everyone around me. And that's the accountability. That's the training. Yeah, two people I thought of instantly, Ray Dalio, who at the book Principles speaks about if you understand reality, it's almost a superpower. Yes. Elon Musk even recently was talking about mm. our biggest, one of our biggest downfalls is that we often live in a world of what we wish to be true instead of understanding what is true. Yes. So hugely beneficial. But if you're, if you're facing into that and I'm just thinking about self-care, self-compassion, mm-hmm. sometimes when we want to take time off to recover from maybe hard bouts of productivity output. We don't give ourselves the space to recover and we kind of judge ourselves poorly on, Oh, you're, you're taking the time again to sit down or you mightn't enjoy just even sitting still. 
what do you feel people can learn to embrace that moment and understand that they're so vital in terms of when you go back to turning the switch on, they're mm-hmm. going to amplify what you're doing even more. Of course. Yeah, absolutely, Kieran. You're, you're 100% right there. And I think what you're speaking about probably is what you've seen again in high performance and, you know, uh, people who are used to delivering. Um, yeah. So with that, it's, it's, it's a common sort of side effect, if you like, where there is a, a fear almost of acknowledging one's achievements, of pausing and just soaking in that moment because the conditioning has always been of what's next right so let's say you won this tournament or a race or whatever it might be but it's it's almost like you know it's like teflon it's gone before it doesn't stick Yeah. yeah so so that again is a training where you want to have more of an internal reward system so that it's not about the result of the you know, trophy or whatever it might be. You can see I'm not very au okay with all these sports, but I'm doing my it's best. All trophies, medals. That's trophy it. medals. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm doing my best here. But you know, that 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 there is this sense of a voice in your mind that that says to you, I am so proud of you. And even if you take a moment here and you just take, you know, if you allow that to be your own voice, like to to even acknowledge this the success of this podcast, the work that you do on this podcast. I am so proud of this, right? I'm so proud of the work that I do. Not, you know, in the future, not when, not if, but right now, I am so proud. And having a voice like that in our own minds is actually what fuels us, really fills us up. We're not coming from a low self-esteem, but we're coming from healthy self-esteem. That isn't dependent on results. Yeah, it's powerful. That's brilliant. I don't think I've said that to myself. That's what's interesting. Which is what, to borrow the self-love piece you're talking about, right? And I think even Irish people, we would acknowledge we're not so good on that, right? Mm -hmm. It isn't something we tend to to do a lot like you never do it no, no, I'm, always, I'm, I'm always trying <laughs> to give in Karen looks completely flummoxed that's why I got the book and reached out <laughs> I just said something coached by Fiona no but like even just I think that in itself to be saying that to yourself each and every day as a self-talk piece can be really really powerful but people don't do it enough yeah they don't again like I say you really do have to train yourself to do it because it's so unfamiliar yeah. So it's it's a habit and you'll notice in both the books that that is the word habit comes in mm-hmm. because yeah. I really, truly believe in the power of habit. It's it's you know, it's all of those small little things make a lifetime, make make us who we are. If we are what we repeatedly do, yeah. then excellence is not an act, but a habit. I'm showing off all my Greek <laughs> yeah. Socrates, Epictetus, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> Something you mentioned earlier, a word you said was sustainable, and we're building on this with habits and behaviors. Why do you think that we struggle sometimes to, because we, we see it with January, we see it with the New Year's and sort of that fresh start approach, that fresh start effect, that people get involved in stuff, not even just dieting, but also taking up new online courses, maybe taking on a new way of interacting with their family members. Why do we struggle so much to create habits that we are going to consider or are going to be sustainable? Why do we always go for like cold turkey when we're quitting something or full dive in if we're trying to take up a new habit? Again, I would say it's coming to to conditioning of the emphasis being in the wrong place. You know, it's it's much more important to make 
small sustainable changes than something really large. So people tend to put a lot of expectation, like you're saying the new year, for example. Mm. Um, you know, I think what is the statistic? It's like after three weeks or something, most yeah, yeah, yeah. 21, 25 days, yeah. Drop. Yeah, and this like, whole blue Monday, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, and that person will know within themselves already, already the intention is set that this is not going to work because the bar is too high, right? I'm going to, you know, lose this amount of weight by March 1st. I'm going to go to the gym seven, you know, seven times a week. It's, it's all doing the opposite of what we really want. It's putting pressure on that person, putting pressure on themselves. And I think that we need to be looking at this much more as all year round. Every day is, is the potential to be a new January. Like every day you have that opportunity to, to, to be just that little tiny little bit better than yesterday. When I say better, I don't mean it in a, in a results way. But what I mean is in an accountability way for yourself in terms of how you're caring for yourself, how you're caring for others. What's something we can do first thing in the morning? I, we're thinking about people like that and again we're speaking from our background maybe of working mm. with people that are interested in well-being they're interested in trying to be a better parent better partner so and maybe you didn't sleep so well or maybe you do have a big deadline or a big project what's something you can do early early on maybe to help with that self-talk reframing piece to to really give ourselves a good chance for that day well, I think how you start your day is integral. I mean, it's it's so important that you ease yourself into the day. And I have a, you know, a morning practice that so it's now so ingrained. It's not even like will I do it or I but you know, it it's like before you know it, it's organically happening and that's the habit, right? It's like brushing your teeth. It's there. So, you know, it's a case of really slowing your mind down. I find that's the most powerful thing to do in the morning is to actually slow your mind down as soon as you can. Okay. Because what's happened is that during the night, maybe you haven't slept well, but you will have been in at some stage, the OREM uh, dream state. And the dream state is very, very effective. It's, it's like free therapy every single night. Okay, so we go to sleep and yeah, <laughs> the things that we are worried about, fearful of are, are being processed in our subconscious mind. That's why, you know, it's, it's like a cleansing, if you like, that goes through our brain every single night. However, when we wake up, the fog of that, the residue of that can kind of, you know, when you kind of feel it can be lingering there a little bit. And what can happen then is that the brain will click in very quickly and it will start to go, okay, so today I've got X, Y, Z, okay, and I'll go there and then I'll do this. And then now we're lost, right? We're got, you know, we've lost our presence before the day has even begun. Mm. So really, I, I practice bringing myself through as slowly as I can into the day. So noticing the mind from the very outset and being gentle with it, right? So not criticizing it for being fast or trying to work things out, but gradually easing it in and then practicing either a meditation, yoga, some kind of ritual that actually grounds you before your day begins. I do feel that movement is important. I think that mm. when we move our body, uh, we're releasing energy. You know, so I personally, yoga is, is, is my sort of um, go-to yoga in the sense of it being a meditation. So there is the breath work. There is, you know, some gentle stretching just to get the body alive and, and um, awake. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think that 
by doing that, like, for example, <laughs> um, on the retreat, I just held a retreat in Crete and we had what we called a silent hour. And this is something that I actually do in, in my own home where Kieran is also my husband. He's not allowed. To, he's not allowed to speak. Not to this Kieran. No, 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 no. <laughs> that would be a little. No. Uh, Kieran, my lovely partner in life and in business as well. Um, you know, what we have is, is, is a kind of a space where we, we respect each other and we don't actually really interact at all very much in that first hour. And so we brought that into the with our work and the clients with the, with the retreat where we had this silent hour. And, you know, it's just like, ah, oh, there's no pressure to perform to be to you know to have to put on a face if you don't have it you're just you're you're giving yourself time to ease into the day so we kind of we do acknowledge each other we're not you know just looked at me there and saying i wish we had that i know now it's more more tricky with young kids like my son's 14 so i'm in a different place and he's quite happy with this silent hour maybe (laughs) silent day half year old wants lego at six in the morning so i know it goes the golden hour right yeah yeah but what you could do there is you've got to work with your context right so you've got to look at maybe I need to get up that bit earlier. So I have that space before I, I uh, visit, yeah. you know, or spend time with my family. Or maybe we take it in turns, like maybe your wife does one morning and you do the next so that you have that space for yourself. So it's all about trying to find solutions. Silent hour. I'm going to put that to Kate tomorrow now. See if we manage that. He doesn't that. have kids. It's no. easier. Yeah. <laughs> we generally, yeah, we cross over for an hour in the morning. So yeah. that is a practice that I'm going to definitely embark on. Okay, yeah. yeah. I'd love to hear how you get on. (laughs) There has to be an understanding, though, that this is like a mutual. Otherwise, you know, it's like, what's wrong with you? I I think Kate was practicing the silent hour with me before. I I wasn't aware of that. (laughs) (laughs) That's happened, yeah. I'm just thinking, too. So your work has definitely influenced us, what we do, how we interact with people, our clients, um, our relationships. For yourself, you mentioned Dr. Andrew Huberman recently Mm. there. Mm. Is there anyone else? And who has been the biggest influence on your career be it one person, be it several? I suppose there's a few. I mean, to be honest, the work of Eckhart Tolle is one that has stuck with me. Um, and I just keep going back to him, really. I first read The Power of Now when it came out, I, you know, a long time ago. And I literally said, what in the name of God is that book trying to say, right? I did not, I, I didn't understand it. You know, it was like, it was written in, in Latin or so I was like, what does this mean? You are not the voice in your mind. You are not your thoughts. That can be a ha- really hard thing to grasp for many, many people, especially when you're 25 and you're probably quite <laughs> having the crack and it's, you're just like, what's all that about? <laughs> um, but what's amazing and is that reading it then, let's say, right, is what actually allows me to understand it now. So sometimes we may not grasp something at the time, but it'll come back to us in the times that we we really um, are ready for that. So the teacher, you know, emerges again when when we're more open ourselves, when we have that maturity. I think a lot of it is 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 maturity. Um, not necessarily though. I mean, I've met loads of very awakened, you know, eighteen year olds who are amazing and have it have it early on. So it depends. But he would be someone that I, I'm very uh, influenced by. I'm going to one-up you now on the Socrates or Aristotle. Oh, go on then. One mindful breath in and out is a meditation. Isn't that Eckhart Tolle? We've used it a bit. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well done. 
She's yeah. impressed. She's impressed. <laughs> um, I'm very impressed. I'm I'm falling in awe. Yeah. <laughs> Fiona, you've lots of exciting things coming up. We touched a little bit off air. What's yeah. what's 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 coming up over the next couple of months that you're really excited about? Um, well, I suppose what I would say is that, that my, my new course that we spoke about is something I'm very excited about. Also, um, I do, I hold public speaking workshops, um, because it's something I really feel helps, uh, people who are struggling to find their voice. So I have some workshops starting in September online, and then I'm holding a retreat. I saw there that Dr. Mark Rowe was a guest of yours as well. And we are collaborating to do a retreat in November called Presence, um, quite timely or, you know, quite aptly named, if you like. That's really, you know, I'm always sort of doing different things, but those are the two things that, that jump into my mind right now. And that's I'm the sure. Kelly's Hotel. We have to make that link for your listeners. I think we're mad. <laughs> it's in Kelly's Hotel, which is why we, I referred to it earlier. Just my last question, then I'll kick it back to you, Kieran. With that, the presence retreat with Dr. Mark Rowe. And Mark, obviously, we, we had a great chat with you, if you're listening, Mark. How are the, how are the two of you going to collaborate? What's that going to look like, Those that, that session? It's going to look like magic, David, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to do a little tap dance. And then we're gonna... <laughs> no, I'd say... I'd say, to be honest, like we, we did a, I have a building emotional resilience webinar and Mark was a guest on it. And um, we just, you know, when you meet someone um, and you really find that you connect and that you, you work well together and you have something to uh, offer. Thanks, Do you feel that, Kieran, Dude, David, yeah, ever? Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so Mark's like, he, he's similar in the sense that he sees patients. All, I see clients all the time. He sees patients all the time. And I think that's part of our strength you know is that 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 we 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 keep that line of our work very very important and um, so he's got so you know obviously as a doctor he's a huge amount of experience um of working with patients so we can focus on lifestyle medicine um that i've just finished training in as well and um so there's there's huge connections there and and just a lovely synchronicity between the two of us so if you are listening mark <laughs> No pressure. <laughs> All good, Mark. Yeah. Well, Fiona, thanks very much for what you've given us so far today. We have one last question for you. It's okay. one we ask everyone. We would have asked Mark. It's yeah. what does high performance mean to you? As soon as I hear that, right, I'll be completely honest. It sounds like pressure because it's almost again, it's like saying that it, it, it has to be at a certain level, right? High. What I'd be much more interested in is, is more about less about the result, as I said, and more about the um, the energy that is, is given into this, into whatever it is that you're doing. Um, so I think people could, would and could feel pressure when they say I've got to perform at a high rate, you know, whether it's academically in sports, etc. So I would say that it's it's probably worth. um really just taking that pressure away from high and more just about presence and and energy and and being there and then that performance will emerge through or through an organic way if you like if that i hope i haven't insulted your whole podcast now with that, your but... question of the show <laughs> um... but does that make sense to you and yeah. you know that, that the performance the high performance will come Sure. true Being, without the pressure it, it echoes what rich divini said to us before who's you know navy seal right wrote the attributes came from that world yeah but he, he nearly challenged 
the wording and said it's more about mm. optimal because to your yeah. point fiona if we didn't sleep that well you it, you can still do what you can do and then have some self-compassion self-love give yourself a bit of credit you still got you still did what you could do to your mm -hmm. best ability so mm -hmm. not necessarily always firing mm -hmm. on on all cylinders but yes but still yeah do some um so it just reminded me of that so that's exactly the the idea yeah yeah i wonder with that has the lens increased on that following the pandemic and the change in the landscape are people more likely to answer like that now on our show and not saying that has changed your your mindset yeah. or the others but i think maybe we've got an appreciation of it's yes. not always going to be elite at the very best yet make sure you show up and we've actually had recently um just getting there just just making sure you turn up and you do something and you know you have that self-compassion as well while you do it it mightn't be the best but you have to do what you can do and giving yourself space which is yeah. what you said like I, that's really what's jumped out today is the the stillness and even that moment for yourself in the morning i think mm -hmm. what you might try tomorrow yeah. there's a lot there's a lot to be said for that absolutely know. yes yeah yeah i think yeah. you're right though that that people's are changing in the sense of being more value-led than results driven hmm. yeah hugely positive change as well so yeah yeah thanks very much for talking all things oh compelling, my pleasure compelling and attractive <laughs> yeah we talked sustainable habit change we talked everything from looking at yourself the difference between clinical and stage hypnotherapy so have a good listen back and make sure everyone check out fiona's uh, instagram handle at the underscore positive underscore habit underscore um yeah find we'll, on our page we'll be sharing it over the next we'll few weeks so. in the show notes we'll put links for books and her new online course please check it out and look fiona brendan thanks very much for the time we we got a lot my pleasure it. really thought provoking really enjoyed it thanks a lot thanks david and thanks kieran enjoy your much. silent hour <laughs> we're gonna do it now <laughs> <laughs> thank you for listening to today's episode of sleep eat perform repeat a story of high performance this was brought to you by Howora, a whole person wellbeing company founded and run from Dublin, Ireland. Find out more at howoralife.com, spelt H-A-U-O-R-A life.com. Please rate, review and share the podcast. Some people want it to happen. Some wish it would happen. Others make it happen. The GOAT, Michael Jordan.